Today's episode of Vice Versa, VW holds their own battery day event. GM's Cruise buys another full self-driving company, kind of heating up the full self-driving wars. Toyota gives up, gets this whiplash by announcing a new EV and then trying to slow down the EV adoption rate at the same time and more. And as usual, I'm joined by the ever perceptive and prescient Ricky Roy. How you doing, Ricky? Good, Matt. How you doing? Man, Toyota, they, they just never fail to uh, amuse. Yeah, no kidding. So what was your video this week? Uh, this week I did a video on uh, the Sterling engine, which is, uh, I bought a little toy on Amazon and it sent me down this rabbit hole of looking at what a Sterling engine is, how it works, and how it could be applied to renewable energy storage. It was a pretty interesting kind of adventure I just kind of went down. Yeah, you and my editor are in each other's heads because he had the exact idea <laughs> I told you about this, but it's, yeah. it's uh, spooky. Uh, we'll have links, by the way, to our videos this week in the description, but this week I did what I thought was going to be, well, I, I think it is going to be pretty controversial, talking about uh, Tesla's FSD and some of the questions that I don't really hear asked uh, nearly enough. So clearly, you know, you can imagine it's going to be, you're an idiot or you love it based on your, your feedback. But I think it's a good conversation. So hopefully you guys can check out both of our videos. But um, yeah, how to, glad to be here. Episode number 18. Let's yep. go. Let's start it off with the first big story of the week, which is VW held their battery day event where they dropped a lot of news on us. Um, some of what they did was very reminiscent of what Tesla did at their Tesla battery day. So it shouldn't be too much of a shock as to what they covered, but they kind of covered everything from battery chemistry to supply chain to battery recycling and to the charging network. Like I said, very reminiscent of what Tesla kind of touched on during their battery day event. The whole focus was all about how they're trying to drive down their battery costs by up to 50%. And it includes doing things like building out six battery factories by 2030 and having a total capacity of about 240 gigawatt hours per year, which Obviously, it's very good, but it's not quite Tesla levels, what Tesla is trying to strive for, but it's still extremely good. Um, they're trying to expand their charging station network. As one example was 18,000 charging stations by 2025 in Europe alone, which is a pretty sizable ramp up. And eventually moving to solid state batteries. Uh, that one's not too much of a shocker because it seems like everybody's announcing that they're going to go to solid state at some point. But that's going to be a much future further down the road technology. Uh, so all of this is about what they're going to be doing over the next five to 10 years. Um, one of the things they mentioned was by 2023, they're going to have a kind of a unified prismatic cell structure, which is this little guy right here. They're, they're talking about moving towards this, towards all of their vehicles. So I think it was something like 80% of their vehicles will be using this structure at some point. Um, some of the other things that dropped that I thought was really fascinating was they're going to be doing vehicle to grid on some of their cars starting in 2022. And they did the whole sales pitch around this as to what everybody says. It's being able to store your solar electricity during the day and drop it back into your house at night or using it as emergency backups. So I, all the vehicle to grid fans should be really happy with what uh, VW was talking about. And, uh, and my take on this is that this was not about VW beating Tesla or even trying to play catch up. It was just more of them showing what their plans are for the next five to 10 years and showing what kind of like laying their cards on the table and saying, here's what we're planning on doing. Here's how we're going to do it. It was very technical, not quite as technical as Tesla's approach, but it really did kind of show us that they have a really interesting roadmap coming up. And it gave me a lot of hope for the future of what VW is planning. 
Yeah, if you scroll up to the previous little card in that deck right here, this to me was one of my favorite slides. They so VW is not some small player, you know, Lucid and Rivian, they're trying to build 20,000, 50,000 cars a year. VW is a massive player. So that slide to me is um, really, really good news. It tells you that they're going to build cars. Previously, they'd go, all right, let's build a car. And then what kind of batteries can we fit where we can? Now it's the other way around. Here's our unified cell. They're going prismatic. Um, I'd love to like have a debate about prismatic versus cylindrical and kind of like really break down why companies go the different directions they do. But you do this and now the cars are built around the battery. Kind of like you mentioned, you did a, a, a video on Arrival, how they mm-hmm. kind of reimagined the bus and said, well, let's imagine what kind of a bus we could build in this kind of a square foot of a factory. So yep. that's a really good move that'll help them scale a lot better. And um, it was kind of cool that they brought up Porsche. They kind of they kind of <laughs> talked about their racing pedigree and the fact that there's now going to be two models of Porsche that are electric. We should give them some credit. I mean, they, they've got some really compelling EVs. We'll talk about Toyota later in the show. But to me, this, like if you had taken VW out and put Tesla battery day or Tesla battery event, yeah. power event, you would have almost not noticed except for maybe the color scheme. That's how related they were. I mean, all the way down to calling them gigafactories, which, I mean, of all, Elon has a lot of really cool terms for stuff. I love gigafactory. I think that's just going to be a standard in the industry now. But yeah, 640 gigawatt hour, capacity gigafactories they're going to build some of them themselves they're going to work with partners kind of like what tesla did with gigafactory in nevada and look at look at this one of all the presentations i've seen on solid state battery this was my favorite because it showed it was kind of like you always say it's the icing on the cake we're not waiting for it we've got batteries today we're going to do what we can today but look at that slide their goal is okay well if you want to make this route from las vegas to la or you know Leipzig to Munich, you know, these different routes in the, around the world. Today, that charge time is 25 minutes on their Ionic or, you know, Electrify America network. But when they have their unified pack, which will reduce cost, and there's going to be some other optimizations there, that drops to 17 and eventually in a solid state world and beyond maybe 12 minutes, which to yeah. me kind of tells you even at 25, it's not a deal breaker. So that's what I love about this. It's you want to buy a card today, do, do it. it. You're going to yep. love it. And then in 10 years, it's going to be just a no-brainer. Um, so I, I, I thought it was really And it tells you just how serious they are. You know, where's Toyota's or where's Honda's battery day, right? I mean, people, uh, the sentiment I kind of saw on Twitter was kind of almost poking fun and saying they're, not, they're no Tesla. People want VW to be Tesla. Um, and they pointed to the fact that their stock was up as, yeah, this is the, the, the performance slide they talked about. VW stock was up on some of this news and, you know, people were saying that didn't happen for Tesla. But if you ignore all that, let's just talk about like what the engineers over here are doing. Very impressive. It also strikes me as this is the don't wait to buy a car, buy a car whenever you need a car. We're going to have you, we're going to have your back for the type of models you're going to want now, five years and 10 years down the road. And that's what I loved about Tesla's approach. That's what I loved about this approach. And it, (laughs) I don't know, after GM's presentation, I don't think, was as quite as good as this one, but they also showed a lot of really good promise and good thinking for their future as well. Between GM, VW, and Tesla all doing things like this, this to me now is every company needs to do this exact approach. It's like we need, Ford, where are you? Hyundai, where are you? Toyota, where are you? It's like they all need to come out and show us what their 10-year roadmap is for the transition to electric. And if they can't do that, that's kind of a, a damning statement. It really is. At this point, if you're Ford, if you're 
any of the other players. What are you telling your investors when they ask that exact question? It's like, how many factories are you building? How many battery factories? What are you investing in? Yeah. Uh, you know, they have that partnership with QuantumScape, which maybe warrants an entire video by itself. But yeah, well, how do you answer that if you're Honda or Toyota? That, to me, this is, um, this is the new standard. When Tesla did it, there were this hip, cool tech company. But now it's VW's done it. So now if you don't have this similar kind of a strategy, what's your plan when <laughs> the EU bans fuel uh, ICE cars, right? Yep. You're gonna you're gonna have just a shortage and then just have you know sitting on your twiddling your thumbs. Um, it's not gonna look good. So really, in the next year or so, don't you think everybody's got to have one of these kinds of presentations to kind of talk about their their plan? Everybody does. Like especially with like the EU and other countries banning ICE cars by a certain point, it's like you're gonna have to address this. You might as well get ahead of it and tell us what your plans are. It's gonna, it's gonna make investors happy. It's gonna make customers happy. It's gonna make everybody kind of understand what's going on. And the longer they're silent. The, the worse it's going to get. Yeah, and remember that I think Tycon has stalled at periods during their production run due to battery supply issues. The ID3 has, uh, along with software stuff. But if you're going to sit around and your plan is, oh, I'll let LG Chem figure it out, I think you're going to be uh, for in for a rude awakening. So mm-hmm. the companies that are doing this are going to, uh, I think their stock price is probably reflective of that of that future. Yep, Definitely. The next one is interesting because my video this week was about kind of the FSD wars, if you will, and Tesla's lead in this space. But Cruise, which we talked about, I believe, last week, is a self-driving startup that was bought by GM, funded, invested in by GM and Honda, largely. They acquired a company called Voyage. Um, if you look at the their marketing, it really looks like it's tailored for elderly people. So people maybe who mobility is a, is a challenge. Here's their website. And their tech stack appears to be largely kind of LiDAR. If you look at the the cars, you can see a big kind of dish sitting on top. But it seems to be a LiDAR, high-definition mapping uh, platform similar to Waymo. So my first question was about why Cruise would acquire this company. So I think they're operating in some small, meaningful way. They claim that they can do about 25 miles an hour, and there's... There's going to be a lot of limitations in geofencing and stuff that's at play. But I think for Cruise, the biggest benefit to me is maybe like an aqua hire to get the engineers. Yeah. There might be some overlap with, with the LiDAR stuff. But to me, the coolest part about this company, which I think is a really interesting look at how the first level three or level four autonomous vehicles will operate. And that is what happens when something doesn't perfectly go right. So this car, what it, what it does is when it has a disengagement, meaning I can't make out the lane markers, I can't figure out what to do right now, it can actually send a alert where somebody from the Voyage team can pick up and remotely operate the vehicle. So this the guy in this picture is like in some, you know, Voyage warehouse, if you will, and he can kind of like tech support, you know, I, yeah. I just did my taxes with TurboTax and I'm kind of thinking that like SOS buttons, like I need your help. And he can hop in and, and drive the car. Because remember, levels four and five don't have steering wheels. They don't have pedals of any kind. So early days, if something does go wrong, this is a really cool approach. So I'm kind of curious about like latency, what kind of a network, you know, are they using like LTE? Is it 5G maybe? Uh, and how, how well this works. It's kind of a cool concept. And we should talk maybe more about Cruise. 
by itself, but Cruz to me is making some interesting moves and some kind of a splash in regard to some of the acquisitions and the and the work that they're doing. So I think we could probably maybe kind of cover them more. We talked about them a little bit last week. They're kind of quiet. We don't really know that much about what they're doing, how they're going to use Voyage in their tech stack. But let's look at one of their little um, transit autonomous vehicles. And uh, I think they're going to be a company that we're going to hear more about, especially as these FSD wars um, heat up. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head for it being an aqua hire. Like when I read this article, it was immediately seemed clear to me of like, yeah, there's some interesting technology here that they probably wanted to get their hands on. But it seemed more about getting the people that built that technology to come over and become part of the team working on their different products. And I mean, it, it did say in the article that they were going to be working on what is it? Uh, the uh, the Odyssey. Isn't that right? Yeah, Odyssey. Um, a Cruises Origin EV. Uh, so the ride sharing vehicle. But the thing about this that kind of got me excited is it's like the full self-driving wars are really kind of heating up and you're going to start to see more and more of the larger players in the market probably snapping up more and more of these smaller like little startup full self-driving companies because there's a ton of them out there right now a ton of little players i think you're just going to start to see all those guys get snapped up by the bigger players for, as aqua hires for little pieces of technology that they want to acquire it's going to be an interesting next i don't know five years to to see what happens as all these companies start to kind of kind of go into conglomerate kind of become a big mass of just full self-driving goodness in like maybe two or three different players which is sad to see it kind of consolidate down like that but that's where things start to get interesting because all this technology being focused and being put together in a really good way and cruise is exactly cruise is also shaping itself up to become kind of one of the de facto standards that you're going to see in pretty much every car out there (laughs) It's like you're probably going to see it in Hondas. You're probably going to see it not just in GMs. It's going to be, it's going to probably be everywhere. I don't know if you read there was a uh, Honda Level Three autonomous car that was kind of doing the doing the route in Japan this last week or so. It's a Honda Legend, which I think is like a T- Acura TS TLX maybe here, but it's a Level Three autonomous vehicle. And I was actually kind of thinking, oh, maybe it's it's using Cruise, but. Cruise doesn't operate outside of, they don't operate in Japan just yet. So I think members from the team helped Honda come up with this, but things are heating up. What's funny though is, did you, I mean, who who in the chat has heard about Honda's level three autonomous test mule that's, you know, racking up miles and they're going to build a hundred of them? Nobody. I think Tesla just occupies the entire volume and there's just no space left to talk about some of the other players, but there's some cool stuff. And uh, as people have mentioned, yeah, there's going to be failure. There's going to be com- companies that will uh, fail, maybe get acquired for their talent. And there's going to be just a general round of, of um, consolidation. But what's interesting will be the players that emerge that become licensing plays. Like in my video that I did this week, my analogy was iOS and Android. If Tesla's Andro- uh, iOS, where they have the car and the, and the tech, might Kama or Cruise, one of these kinds of companies, be the be the person that like okay, we couldn't figure out self-driving let's go license comma or cruise somebody like that and and they become android pretty much so talking about full self-driving no no talk about self-driving um is complete without talking about the king of the hill the guys yeah. that that are on top of this and and completely blowing people away on a daily basis but this article is about um i think it was omar who who shared a video i'll just play the video here um this is a FSD beta car. Um, 
operating in a pretty complicated environment in SF with no intervention. So you can see all those little blocks and markers. You, you know, the car's making stops. I don't know if that might not have been a four-way stop, but there's going to be like, you know, pedestrians that walk out and the car didn't have any issue. And this is at night. Look at this guy just kind of slows down here. We're actually not um, seeing it for some reason. Oh, you're not seeing it? Yeah. Maybe maybe I can't play it uh, in full screen. But we'll put a link in the in the description. Can you see this on? Yeah, we can, can see, see that see now. The, yeah, I can see it now. Okay, so I can't make it full screen. But incredibly fascinating stuff. And there's there have been some videos lately that have kind of made some noise. There was that video in Oakland that where the car didn't behave very well. And in my video, I talked about um, a couple of situations where the car is proving to have some challenges. So like, for example, left turns are something that are, are proving to be a little bit of a challenge. And I'm, I'm kind of curious if uh, what the commenters say here. But in my video, I mentioned part of the problem is the cameras that look forward when you're making like a left or right turn, especially an unprotected left turn, are on the B pillar which are, you know, 5, 10 feet from the front of the car. So the car's got to creep a fair bit. So a gentleman named Chuck sent me some footage that he had. He had a drone in the air while FSD Beta was making a left turn out of some intersections. And some of them it did pretty well. And other times it completely got bogged down and made, made the wrong move, was trying to go when it wasn't clear and stuff. So I think the bigger question or the bigger point is we're we're seeing unbelievable advancement from like the, when the first day they announced the beta, I think that was like November or something like that, uh, maybe a little, a little bit before that, to now, it is staggering what they've done. And mm -hmm. they'll continue to improve. That's the nature of machine learning. Uh, the video that I made, and I see like Eric and Ben, I think have already watched my video. I think Jim has as well. Um, in my video, what I, I didn't want to be like a downer or <laughs> rain on anyone's parade. But I made my video because people were losing their minds about this. I, I was hearing people that were like felt pressured to get FSD, even if they really were barely affording, uh, ba barely able to afford a Tesla, because they felt like if I don't get FSD, it'll be twenty thousand next month, and all my friends are gonna be making thirty thousand dollars a month on a robo taxi network, and I'm gonna be here like an idiot. And and it's just like everybody has to like take a deep breath. Uh, <laughs> this technology is incredible. But that the robo taxi feature is, is not there yet, and I kind of outlined a couple of reasons why. I'm not going to give it all away. You guys got to go check out the video. But there's some questions like that camera placement. Like to, to, if we were going to build a self-driving car, you would have cameras looking straight left and straight right, like near the headlight and on the on the back. Why not? Why would you want to limit how how good you could see? Right. So there's um, Tesla claims that all your cars come with all the equipment you need for full self-driving. Is that true? Is it not? I think kind of time will tell. There's also a regulatory aspect. However great we all think it is, if the Cal if the DMV in California comes out and says, here is the mandate of what is required, that's that, right? So there's there's two sides to this. There's like two warring factions. It's like there's the group that I hear this said a lot on podcasts and things I watch where it's like, we're not going to have full self-driving in our lifetimes. And I'm like, that makes no sense to me. It's like, I know I'm going to be sitting in a full self-driving taxi and car within the next 20 years. There's no question in my mind about that. But it's not a year away. It's not two years away. This is going to be a slow rollout. It's like these features we're going to be getting in our Teslas are going to be fantastic. But we are not going to have true full self-driving where 
like everybody's using it and it's just cars driving around without steering wheels. We are years from that. It's just because of regulatory issues. It's working out the bugs. It's there's so much to still they still have to work out. They, it's like easy to go from zero percent to ninety percent accuracy. It's really hard to go from ninety to one hundred. It's like that. It's that last bit that is where all the hardest work has to happen, and that's where they're they're heading towards right now. We just have to give them time. Be patient. Don't worry about spending thirty thousand dollars to get full self driving on your car to make money as a robo taxi. That that's just silly. But uh, it's it's sooner than most people think, and it's also further away than most people think. It's like Schrodinger's cat of full self driving. It's like it. It's both. It's both, it's both things at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's really well said. And I'm all for the excitement. I think we need excitement. And I was in a clubhouse call the last couple of nights talking to Tesla fans about this to kind of get more perspective for my video. And one of the gentlemen on the, on the call had the best comment ever. He says, look, I think of FSD, and he paid 10000 I think of FSD as the ultimate and the, most, the world's most ultimate Kickstarter campaign. And if there's one company that I want to have my money to do the greatest good, it's Tesla. And I, I was thinking, wow, that is perfect. If you are in a position to, to be on the cutting edge of this and to, to see the smart stuff and all the other cool little things that it can do already before the full thing is realized, and you want to support the, the, you know, the progress of one of mankind's greatest challenges, that's what this is. And if you see it that way, you're going to be thrilled. If you have the expectation, that's where I wanted to make this video is pe people need to kind of r realize that there's a, like a regulatory standard. I'm going to throw this out to you and I'm going to look at the chat as well, see what you guys think. I was also thinking we get to build this like this is a, a new thing. We get to do this right kind of a thing, right? We don't have to do anything the old fashioned way. Might the system be managed like a, like air traffic control towers where cars can talk to each other. They can talk to the roads and ambulances and police. And so there's this like medium range, you know, radio frequency communication protocol that gets established. One of my viewers sent me an article that like in 2016, the administration, um, I think Obama administration was working on this vehicle to vehicle uh, protocol. It was it was canned uh, in the last administration, but might be coming back. But might it be a managed network instead of the, the uncontrolled chaos that we have currently with human drivers? So there's just so many questions and it's just fascinating. Just when I was making this video, I was having such a blast imagining what lawmakers are thinking about, what the engineers and the machine learning, you know, people are working on. This is going to be one of the funnest stories we'll cover all year. I can guarantee we'll be back talking about it again in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Absolutely. So next up, kind of a depressing story. Wah, wah. Yeah, this is the big sad trombone of the evening. Toyota lobbies the U.S. government to slow down the rollout of electric vehicles. If there was any doubt where Tesla, where Toyota stands in this electric transition, where it's like, this made it super clear. Basically, what ended up happening was there was a Senate, um, uh, a Senate hearing, and in the committee hearing was named Robert Wimmer, who's the director of energy and environmental research from Toyota North America. He was quoted as saying things like. If we're to make a dramatic progress in electrification, it will require overcoming tremendous challenges, including refueling infrastructure, battery availability, consumer acceptance, and affordability. Uh, he will say that rivals have made aspirational statements, but less than 2% of vehicles sold in the U.S. last year were battery electric. Um, <laughs> it's one of those when this 
the, the story, I didn't know where to start with just the insanity around this, um, especially with the 2% of vehicles sold are electric. Um, they noted that Toyota it took 20 years to sell more than 4 million gasoline electric hybrid vehicles. Last year alone, Tesla sold 500,000 cars, all electric in one year. So it's like, I don't know why they brought that point up as like this, there's a damning evidence of it took us 20 years to sell this many cars. Well, it took Tesla, it's one year to sell 500,000. And they're not the only company that's going to be selling EVs over the next two, three, five years. It clearly comes across as Toyota playing some kind of game to try to delay to catch up because they're so far behind and they're, they're placing their bets elsewhere. They're all in on fuel cell electric <laughs> and they still seem to think that's the way to go. And on the other side, they're investing heavily into solid state batteries. So it seems, and that's still years away. So it seems like they're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place with their two strategies because they don't want to invest the money into doing current technology for batteries and then have to spend a whole bunch of money later to transition to solid state. It looks like they're just trying to leapfrog to solid state, but they have to buy themselves eight to 10 years to do that. And it's just, to me, it's just so sad to see them doing this. Where we talked earlier about VW coming out and having like a really great game plan laying out the next 10 years. I still have no idea what Toyota's game plan is because they're giving me whiplash as to what's going on. And when they do stuff like this, it comes across pretty clear that they really don't want to go electric, that they're really going kicking and screaming. What was your take when you read this? I think we were talking about VW laying it out. Here's how you do it. And this is how you don't do it. This is this is the company that hasn't invested in anything or done any meaningful uh, retooling. It's gonna be it's gonna be a interest. You know, at least I will say this: they're really good at what they do. They're yeah. probably the world's best car maker. Like, if I were to, if I had to buy a gas car, um, I I think I prefer I've always preferred Honda's engines, but the full package Toyota. Like, I think there's no one that does it better. And you think about companies like Fiat Chrysler, like FCA, by the way, uh, the previous story, the Voyage EV, uh, self-driving cars used Chrysler Fiat products. They are not good at making cars. So if you're not good at making gas cars, you're not doing electric vehicles, I don't know what you're going to do. Can Toyota just kind of limp to the next five or so years, maybe buy a a company like, I don't know, like, can't I don't know. It's it's shocking to me how poorly run they are and how little vision. You know they have money. They have re, like they have the factories, the engineers, the employees, the money, the growth. All it would take is to say let's put aside ten percent, some something to do something. Maybe you're not all in, but prove out a concept. What if you made the next generation Accord offered in electric and and saw them compete? Something, but right. I mean, and if I'm the whiplash, I'm feeling the whiplash pretty heavily, especially when <laughs> next story. Yeah, I know. I was, the last thing I was going to say about this was like, if they wanted to buy themselves time, like my theory is, it's like, why not partner with LG and Panasonic and CATL to build the batteries for you so you don't have to invest in factories and all that kind of stuff just to buy yourself time going electric. It just, it's, it's a really weird situation, which does bring us to the whiplash portion of the evening when we go to the next story because 
Toyota announces uh, their first EV. That's right. So what? not only are they trying to s- slow down the rate of EV adoption, they're releasing an EV, which is where my head just continues to spin. It's only going to be in Europe, which says that this is 100% a compliance car. They're only doing this because gas cars are getting banned in Europe and they don't care about the United States because we don't have that policy here. So they're only making this to release it there. And one of my takes on the look of this car was it, it's a kind of a it's kind of a quirky little uh, quirky little car. It does not look like a kind of car that you'd want to be using outside of city travel. It seems more like a just like a little people mover for getting around the city for driving around like maybe twenty miles or something like that a day. It does like not a smart look like car. Yeah, like a smart car kind of thing. It does not look like something that's meant to be <laughs> a long haul driver. taking the whole family around you know it's 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 it was an underwhelming announcement like when they teased the headlight image that we talked about last week it was like oh cross my fingers maybe it's something good gonna be from come on toyota come on toyota and what they came out with was not only this but they came out with the oh and we're going to try to slow down ev adoption in the united states senate so what's your take (laughs) yeah um Europe only. Well, that's probably good because I can't imagine very many people in the U.S. buying this. But if if that wasn't enough, I think they've gone with the proportion. I, I think this will be maybe not like an Aptera level of efficient through the air, but I wouldn't be surprised if this doesn't get like five or six miles per kilowatt hour, which means they'll use a tiny little battery pack and they're going to not need to, you know, have too much of a concern with battery supply. They haven't mentioned how much volume they're going to ship, but it, it everything about it just... Um, feels like a compliance car it's not the ugliest thing if you look at the back of that you can really see how aerodynamic it is mm-hmm. over the rear arches and the haunches it goes around the rear tail light and i'm sure it's a pretty uh pretty sleek car but <laughs> are they expecting like maybe like mini buyers now europeans they have you know smaller streets and stuff uh maybe people will buy this i'm not sure i don't even know if Toyota really wants people to buy it but yeah. Can't imagine that there's a lot of excitement about it. And that's what you want to do. If this if this is a new technology, why not make it exciting like a Model 3 or Model Y? Why not go for that instead of what feels like a like an economy compromise, right? Yeah, it's an economy compliance car, which is just yeah. so sad. Toyota, how far... I mean, this is Toyota, man. This is a company I that I used to really follow very closely and just what shows happened? you what, what happens happened? with yeah, vision and leadership. So for the final story of the day, speaking of vision and leadership, I was thinking about this with, with Tesla. I think their greatest strength is Elon Musk and his vision. He, his vision is, there might be like five other people in the world with that kind of vision, really. But the Powerwall, how smart has that decision to build this been after all these years? I really think VW should have a Powerwall product. Lucid is talking about doing it. They should do it if they do it. Everyone should have a Powerwall product. Because we really need it, and there's going to be a shortage, and that's about to get worse because now you can't just buy a Powerwall. I actually know some people who don't have solar, and they just wanted the Powerwall, and they're not going to be able to now. And this is probably a good move for Tesla because this has been backordered for so long. They don't have spare cells. If they build a Powerwall, they're not building a Model 3 or a Model Y, right? So they've, I mean, the cell supply has been a, has been a concern. And I don't really know how good the margins are on the Powerwall, but I'd imagine coupling it with solar, which is how they want you to buy it now, is probably the more profit margin, uh, you know, higher margin approach. So that's the game. 
you can no longer get a Powerwall without solar. So I'm kind of thinking now, I've also heard from some installers that they're getting a, they're, it's getting becoming harder for them to get their hands on a Powerwall, mm-hmm. which Tesla already has the cheapest prices in the industry for solar. You couple that now with the fact that maybe, you know, so-and-so installer might be able to do solar for you, but they're not getting the Powerwall and Tesla can. This could be another one of those huge just groundswell movements for Tesla's energy business. Yeah. No, that's actually kind of my take on it. It's kind of like a, I understand why they're doing this because they are supply constrained. And by doing this, it immediately cuts out a whole bunch of that demand. So it should make it easier for them to try to keep up with the demand. But there's a part of me that's like, ooh, this is kind of like a monopolistic move, like a twist of the knife to the rest of the industry because you're, like you just said, it's like smaller local installers, I've heard the same thing, are having much harder time getting their hands on them. And if somebody wants to get solar and they don't want to wait for Tesla and they really want the Powerwall specifically, it's like you basically have one option now. And so suddenly these local installers, you can't do anything with. So it's kind of forcing everybody into Tesla's camp, even if you didn't necessarily want to get Tesla solar panels installed in your house. I, I That's the part of it that I'm having trouble swallowing. It's like, eh. It's like if this is a temporary thing so that they can try to get the, the, the supply and demand back into a better balance, all for it. If this is like just the new normal going forward, even if they have enough batteries, it's like that's where I start to get a little like, oh, come on, guys. Come on. It's like... Open it back up. It's such a great product. It needs to be everywhere. And like in my area specifically, there are battery incentives for your home. You don't have to have solar because you can be part of this virtual power plant system. They've just basically taken themselves off the table for that program here in Massachusetts. It's like, what are you doing? It's like, come on. Now now, now we have to go to like Sonin Ecos or other brands of home batteries because they've just completely taken themselves off the table. It, that's part of why I'm a little like on that. And there aren't that many options. If we don't go Powerwall, what, mm-hmm. I mean, I think LG Chem has one, but I've heard even that is low supply. Yeah. Possibly being changed or you know, the, the sizing was weird. You'd have to get like five or six of them in a chain. It's just not as sexy as a Powerwall. You hang on your wall and it becomes like a showpiece, right? Tesla has all that kind of stuff so well figured out. Really just copy their design, copy their style. These are batteries, a BMS, a couple, like, it's not rocket science. Other companies can figure this out. There are YouTubers who literally build these themselves, like mm-hmm. Jay Garcia comes to mind. So why, like, so the people who've announced that they're going to be really serious about building their own batteries, which is GM and VW, to my mind, they should do the same exact thing. If you've got the battery supply, I mean, they're probably thinking we need every single cell for our cars. But yeah, it's a tough one. This is a... We're seeing how scarce I think the lithium-ion battery is going to become. Everyone's going to be seeing it the same way, right? Do you want to make $1,000 on a power wall or do you want to make $20,000 or, you know, some fraction thereof? Because, I mean, you'd need five power walls to make a Model 3, but you get my point. I mean, yep. it becomes a business decision. So they're feeling more and more like Apple, aren't they? Where everything is, you want to get an Apple product? Well, you better join the family. Yeah, exactly. There's a part of me that likes that, but like I said, there's, it, it's cutting out so many great potential like customer markets that they could be working in. And it does feel like to me, like the primary concern was profit margins and uh, supply. I think supply was the primary driver of this. 
So it gives me a little hope that maybe in a couple of years, maybe we'll see them open it back up to a, a broader market. But yeah, exactly. And, and people have, I was just reading the comments kind of about the Powerwall. This is a beloved product and a lot of people want it, especially, you know, what happened in Texas, fire seasons. I mean, right now it's the rainy season here, but it's going to get dry again and things are going to happen. And the backup peace of mind is second to none. Don't you just love that feeling of knowing that you could weather a storm for a couple of days and yep. potentially stay up and running? Absolutely. Thank you guys as always. Always a pleasure. We, we love you. We'll see you guys next week. Yeah. And make sure to uh, subscribe and hit that like button if you haven't already. And uh, we also have the audio version of the show. If you'd like to listen to a podcast version, it's at vice versa.show. And thanks for watching. We'll see you in the next one.